So Robin, how's the editing going? Editing? What? Where? Who am I? (laughs) This is Right Place, Right Time, and right now we're in editing limbo! that far gone but I am a bit bewildered (laughs) my graphic novel is up for pre-order and will be out May 25th and I'm trying to not think about it but also like do promo stuff and it's a it's it's maddening uh how about you Lucy is your life normal-ish yeah kind of normal in that school is keeping me very busy and not leaving time for much besides school um but I did get a new computer which was exciting um, it's like physically much smaller than my old desktop, but also has much more hard drive space or whatever on it. So it's basically like the best of both worlds. So this is a Yay. huge quality of life improvement. <laughs> Very oh, that's exciting. awesome. How you but if, that real if bad. this audio sounds weird, it's my fault because <laughs> I had to redo all my settings. <laughs> well, hopefully it'll be just fine. Mm. All right. So how are you doing book wise? I actually started editing. Um, I was working on one of my projects. At first, I kind of had this problem where I started going and I was like, oh, it's so clean. I'm so good. And I realized I was editing chapters that had already been edited, Um, like even (laughs) recently edited. I just like forgot how I was bookmarking where I was, um, which I felt silly about. So I kind of then jumped to where I actually was, but then actually did get a bunch more editing done from that. And that was very fun because I've gotten into like the section of stuff that is more kind of in the middle. And I think I've maybe only read through it once. And so it was a lot like fresher and newer and it was just kind of nice and satisfying. Yay. How about you? How are you doing? Uh, I haven't managed a single edit on my novel since the last, um, time recorded but that's partially because I have been having to revise and like rewrite my picture book mm-hmm. manuscript I've done it like four times so I have revisions very much on the mind just <laughs> for my prose novel <laughs> that's fine there's a lot to do <laughs> yes well and it made me think about how revisions probably look really different from either side of the table which by the table I think I mean the editor's desk right Um, and you have some insight because Lucy, you have been an editor before. Yeah. I know I've mentioned it kind of on and off, uh, but basically I got my master's in book publishing in 2011. And while I was still in school, a buddy of mine from the same program started his own little publishing house, which was focused on kid lit, uh, mostly like middle grade and YA. We didn't do any picture books. I was able to kind of get an internship sort of with him and get internship credit for kind of like helping him out. I wasn't the only one. He had other people on board who were doing more of the like high up publisher side of things, but I was able to kind of come in and help and um, ended up continuing working with him and them after I graduated too, which was nice. And now mind you, none of this was paid, um, but it was still very educational and I was working with friends. So it was a lot of fun. (laughs) And you did actually release um, solid books. Like, like it was not just a, it was not just like a small vanity project that never went anywhere. Like you guys Mm, were really present in um, the lit scene in Portland for quite a few years. Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, I kind of started out as the main acquisitions editor. I would manage like the incoming submissions, you know, the slush pile. Um, and I helped read like actual manuscripts too once they'd come in. Um, although I focused mostly on development on to editing during my degree and did that a bunch like in the school or in my school program, I never actually ended up doing the like actual editing part in this small press on any projects because we kind of had like some people come and go and I was kind of moved over to handling social media and our blog because that was kind of what we needed and I was also good at that. Um, but I was still in the room for a lot of discussions on what projects to take on and, and all that and helped in the editing process a bit here and there. So I was still kind of kind of doing it. And of course, that little press isn't around anymore. Although, like you said, I think we put out between like five to seven books. Um, and I mean, we had more kind of in the works, but it was just, you know, it started as kind of a passion project and everybody just ended up kind of going in different ways because it takes at least five years before a publishing house usually makes any money. And many of us just like could not sustain not making any money for that <laughs> amount of time. No kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's not around anymore, but it was a great experience. Um, at the time I, you know, got to work with a lot of friends, both from my grad program and beyond. <laughs> and Robin, you even did the illustrations for our first book. I did. And I, I'm not going to say I forgot about that because I didn't like this was super important part of, you know, part of my life at the time because I had also just recently graduated. Um, but it does feel like a lifetime ago and I'm not used to being at an age where I have experiences as an adult that feel like a lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah, um, really. <laughs> but it was fun because I also got to sit in on a couple of those acquisitions meetings um, because I had to come in for a couple of meetings because I was, you know, doing illustration for it and we were in town. So we we could have meetings. It was mm -hmm. great. Um, and it really, really did like, I don't know, it felt like I was seeing this forbidden kingdom. Um, <laughs> and it was really helpful actually for me to further my understanding of how any of this works. Mm. Um, so later on, like now that I'm working with bigger publishers, I, I don't feel like I'm starting at square one, which is really nice. Yeah, actually that was kind of one of the big reasons I ended up getting the degree I got instead of like an MFA in writing or something. I'm, my degree is technically in writing, but I went for the kind of like publishing focus, um, partially because the school I was already at had a really, really good program. Yeah. Um, but I figured if I didn't Rare. end up working as an editor, I would at least know about the process from the inside out. And that would help me as an author. Um, and I think at some point we can do in a whole episode on like that acquisitions meeting, because until you mentioned, oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, of course. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is a thing that I had probably not encountered until I was in this program and would probably be very interesting to other people to know about. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Anyway, I did manage to make a little bit of money as a freelancer, um, just kind of like after that little press closed up. And this was while I had kind of like a, a day job and stuff also. Um, I worked directly with another mostly freelance editor as her assistant. And together we edited projects for a few different presses of varying sizes that she had like, you know, working relationships with. And I spent a lot of time with the slush pile again, but I got to edit a number of projects which include like picture books and middle grade and young adult novels. And that was really fun. I got to be like, some of it was copy editing, but mostly I got to do like nitty gritty developmental editing, which is what I really love. <laughs> yeah. And you still have a really good relationship with that, with that mm -hmm. editor, right? Yeah. yeah she's great. <laughs> she is great. <laughs> I bet her. She's awesome. Mm -hmm. So you really do have this entire perspective on this that I just don't have. I don't have that experience. I've, um, I have given friends editorial suggestions and like writing groups and stuff. And that's important too, but it is not the same. <laughs> On the other hand, I have been given revisions to do many times in the last few years. 
And I can't stop thinking about how like what seems like a small isolated change to ask for ends up requiring like a total rewrite when you sit down to actually implement it, especially with picture books, clearly, because we're talking about like 500 (laughs) words as opposed to Mm -hmm. 500 pages. Um, But like when you ask for edits, do you think about it that way? Like, does do you like have to keep that in mind? And how do you approach it? I mean, yeah, I I do kind of think of it when editing. Like, I can't speak for all editors, obviously, um, but there were definitely times when I asked for things that I knew would require a lot of changes and kind of like a snowball effect. Um, I do think a good editor should have some understanding of what their changes will entail, (laughs) but I think it's always good to clarify what they're asking you to do, especially if it seems like you don't have enough time to reasonably make the changes happen. (laughs) Because they may just not have realized that um, they were asking something as big as they were, or you may have interpreted it differently from how they actually meant. Um, and I think you should definitely clarify it if it seems like the changes will drastically alter the book you thought you were writing. Like that, it's an important thing to kind of like check in with them about. Yeah, it it occurs to me like, you know, we've sort of scripted this episode and we're going to have a few more questions. And a lot of them do just sort of come back to clarifying what you mean by clarifying, which sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but not. like, <laughs> I promise. No, it's good because again, like editors and authors are kind of on different, like, I mean, many editors know our author, like our authors themselves and know what that side of the, the thing is like, but you can't kind of unlearn the things you've learned as an editor. So yeah. it can be hard to like, like, remember that authors have no idea what an acquisitions meeting is or something like you kind of forget what you what like the author will not know and sort of just sometimes it can be easy to just like take for granted the knowledge that you have and assume that everybody will know that already and so yeah clarifying what you're clarifying is good (laughs) (laughs) and it can also be like really hard for authors to hear editor suggestions sometimes and I mean as editors I always think and was taught that we are there to make the book better. And yes, there is some consideration to what will or will not sell, but most of that happens before the project is actually taken on or is kind of left to the marketing department. Like that goes into, you know, how the copy for the book is written, how the like the cover is designed, sometimes what the title is, all of that is sort of a little bit separate from the editing process. Well, the title, maybe not. The It depends on, <laughs> on the place oh, yeah. really. But usually once it's kind of like, at the point where you're doing edits, you're not focusing so much on marketability, um, but you are trying to make sure that the book doesn't like do the exact same scene as another book that just came out or something. Um, but not because that would necessarily be bad writing or anything, but because reviewers of the genre would definitely notice it because they're reading all the books that are coming out in the genre, right? And the author would probably end up regretting that, you know, they didn't just edit the scene a little because now everyone's saying that they copied this scene. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the editor is part of your team doing the stuff that you can't necessarily focus on when you're focusing on writing. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And when I say when an, that an editor is there for the book, that means that their job is to make suggestions for how it can be the best possible book in their expert opinion. And sometimes their vision does not align with the author's vision, of course, because everybody's, you know, people. (laughs) That's why as an editor, I think it's important to outline why something needs to change more than the actual how. Like you aren't the author and you can't know their vision perfectly, especially if it's the first time working with them. So it's more helpful to say something like the scene where he's watching her sleep can read as kind of creepy, especially if she doesn't call him out on it. You'll need to address that because readers will definitely notice it if you don't. (laughs) So yeah, then it's up to this totally theoretical author 
to decide if they want to take out that scene or just have the character call out the behavior or what. And I know that sometimes I want a little more collaboration on the how. Like, mm-hmm. as an author, at least a chance to talk through some hows. I definitely make sure to talk through the hows with my writing friends. Um, but sometimes I do email my editor back with some questions or ideas looking for more discussion. Because um, especially if they actually have something in mind, it is nice to know what that is. Um, again, I, I want to understand, like, they need to understand my vision but it's not exactly out of bounds for an author to need to understand the editor's vision as well. Mm. And that may take a lot of back and forth questions. Um, Can you think of any do's or don'ts about the sort of like asking for more specifics, asking for those hows rather than just the whys? Yeah. Well, I mean, my first one might not help everyone because it'll come down to personal preference, but I really don't think that email is the best way to really do that because like I'd really recommend a phone call or even like a Zoom call or something so you can have an actual conversation about what's going on and use, you know, nonverbal cues, especially if it's like an actual video call or something or you're or a physical interaction. If you can go and have a physical meeting with your editor, like, oh, my God, congratulations, <laughs> <laughs> even in not the time of COVID. <laughs> um, but yeah, being able to use nonverbal cues and stuff to try and figure out if the suggestions are even being interpreted correctly, like both directions is is so valuable and i know that that kind of sounds like more work than an email but i think it's it ultimately just saves time and of course like i said that depends on the comfort levels of both the editor and the author because i know some people hate phones and would absolutely not feel comfortable doing this (laughs) but basically i think it's much easier for an editor to schedule like an hour to talk something through than to have to answer a series of emails Because editors are usually working on multiple projects at a time. So with each email, they may have to go back, look up the manuscript, remember what they said before, try and remember why they said it. And, you know, it just becomes kind of like a big time commitment for each email. And I mean, it's not that they've, you know, forgotten what they've said, but they kind of have to get their brain into this project, you know. Um, Whereas with a call, they just make sure they're prepared before the meeting. You know, they can go over everything, look at their suggestions, remember why, remember maybe if they have an idea of what you're pushing back against or what you're having trouble with, they might be able to like clarify their thoughts ahead of time and stuff. And that's just one conversation instead of a series of drawn out conversations. However, if you are emailing, be aware that it's probably going to take a while to kind of like get this conversation back and forth to happen. I try to put as much substance in that first email as you can. Try to really lay out what you're going for and ask clear questions about what is or is not working. Yeah. And I mean, I got to be honest, sometimes a phone call or meeting just isn't possible. I've had that situation rule most of my publishing career so far. And email only is hard, Mm -hmm. Um, but we've managed it. I've also had some problems with um, phone meetings where if both parties don't take excellent notes, Sometimes things get lost in translation there and you can't refer to it again. Um, It's also the case that like, I'm fairly glib in a phone conversation and I find that I will end up um, trying to please the person I'm talking to, but also I'm pretty good at persuading them. And that isn't always (laughs) the most concretely helpful thing when it comes (laughs) to actually editing a book. And so usually, like usually the editors I've worked with are like, super on top of it and this does not happen like this just isn't a problem but I have had it kind of be a problem once where it turns out that like I 
I completely in conversation thought I understood that we were in a great place at the end of it. And then like, I just did not make the changes they thought I was going to make. And it may have been because we sort of like lost some things in Mm. the conversation without realizing that we were going to. Um, I was also very inexperienced at the time. So who knows? Like, I need to not obsess over this one. Like, this is this is my the one that got away. This like haunted me. <laughs> mm. I do think um, it's good to do like a follow-up email, just be like, thanks for the conversation. I'm gonna work on this, this, and this, but yeah. just to I, I mean they should do that too. <laughs> I think we did that and it still got a little lost. And I don't even know. Um, but also having an email that is too loaded up can be a problem too, Mm, right? That like, there's sort of a rule of thumb and I'm going to totally screw it up here about like how many questions you can ask in an email before you're just only going to get one of them answered. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that can be a little bit, a little bit difficult. I think that in publishing, like with an editor, you're more likely (laughs) to have the whole email get read and Mm -hmm. maybe even all your questions get answered, but it can take extra time right? Like if you're asking five really separate things that take them asking five different people, five different questions, it's sort of adding the like number of hours, days, or even weeks to the response for that email. And that's just sort of like an interesting thing to keep in mind. Like Mm -hmm. just like being asked a bunch of things that take separate research for you will take extra time. Yeah. Like everything you said about how long it takes. Yeah. as soon as you're working with an editor entirely in email, it's like you just don't expect to get an email back immediately. Mm-hmm. And I am used to it. Basically, every question I ask, I feel like is going to take four days to a week to get yeah, answered. I think and, that's reasonable. <laughs> yeah. And like, I know I've talked to a few people who are um, pitching comics and getting in sort of new to publishing who were really affronted by how long it took for anyone to get back to them. They expected everything to be immediate. And I was like, wow, this is a great time to get used to this. Mm-hmm. Like early on, like you want to get really used to the idea that like, just because you spent the last three months thinking about nothing but this project. And just because you're really excited to get into their inbox, they have like probably hundreds, if not thousands of other people who are trying to get in that inbox and and they are doing their darndest to get back to you. So unless there are deadlines and things that are like extreme, like flashing red that need to be <laughs> taken care of right now, like you just can't expect to be the top priority, even if you are the project they care about the most, which is like none of your business, right? <laughs> like you don't want to know. It's, it's like really not, you know, relevant, but like, yeah, you just have to kind of get used to the fact that, a lot of this takes, and it takes weeks. Yeah. And they're frequently kind of acting as like a liaison between your book and like the rest of the steps in the publishing process. So just because they're not like responding to your email or actively doing an edit for you does not mean that they're not still working on your book. (laughs) Just because you're not hearing back from them doesn't actually mean that they're not like fighting someone about what the title should be for you or something. (laughs) They're they're still out there working for you. (laughs) Definitely does not mean that you have been forgotten. And yeah, because this can kind of depend so much on, you know, how like the author works, how the editor works and how the press itself works. I think before kind of any of that, maybe when you're first sending the manuscript to them or maybe like right after it's been picked up, I think it's good to talk to the editor about how they want to handle revisions. In my experience, in my, 
In my experience, we would usually send back a version of a Word file with notes embedded using like the track changes feature. We tried to balance good and bad, but be clear about what we what were you know light suggestions and what were areas that definitely needed to change. And there is usually also an editor's letter, which basically summarizes all the good things and needed revisions to make it a bit more digest- digestible into, you know, like one little, <laughs> you know, letter that explains everything. So you're not just like scrolling through your manuscript, looking for places where there are notes. <laughs> yeah. And trying to build a picture in your head of what they're asking for. They're like, if they have a vision, like this is sort of what you're talking about with like, here is an editor's vision. They're telling you mm-hmm. what that might be. This is really nice. Yeah. And especially if it's a more universal issue, like if it's not like, oh, there are a few sentences that don't quite make sense that are going to get tweaked and there are notes in the thing about that's fine. You know, that's more useful in the manuscript. But if it's like I'm noticing a lack of this thing throughout the the whole manuscript and you're going to need to to deal with that or like there are too many characters to keep track of, like that's a big change that not like can't necessarily just be pointed out it needs to be like mentioned in a letter so that the author can go in and kind of like make their choices about where to address those problems so those letters are usually pretty helpful (laughs) and then kind of like once that you know that manuscript and letter have been sent you kind of want to give the author a little space to process things almost no book is going to require no edits so there are bound to be a few things the author isn't happy about And they might be really upset if something that they thought worked is just not coming through on the page. And that's hard, which I think is why it's good to establish ground rules before you get that letter. Like before you're in that emotional state, decide like at least some like boundaries for how you want to handle those revisions when they come in. How does the editor want you to respond? Do they want to see changes as you make them or do they want to see them all at once? And how do you want to like be kind of like guided through this process. Like you're all, you're both going to kind of have your, have your own preferences and experiences. And I feel like it's kind of good to work that out. Yeah. Really nice to be reminded that instead of there being some expected rule that everyone is supposed to know how to follow here, that actually laying ground rules and like having this discussion is more expected. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that's a good reminder for people. It can get really this can all feel so esoteric and so much like you're supposed to just intuitively know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, especially because editors, you know, they're they're doing a job. They're very, like, focused on what they're doing and they've done it a lot. Um, but especially with new authors, you don't know how any of those things work. And so you're kind of trying to, like, learn the game by playing it. And that can get a little confusing. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I do think that kind of like the less communication you're getting, the more faith that might mean that they have that you can make the changes that they want without, you know, a lot of handholding. But that can also just be a difference in editing styles for both author and editor. Some people are just very hands on and some people want a lot of back and forth and others just don't. Yeah, this conversation really makes me think about how there are some fundamental disconnects between the publishing end and the creator's end, and how people trying to bridge that gap is really helpful for both parties. Um, For people in publishing, it it can be frustrating to be asked the same questions over and over, but people (laughs) inside their industry really don't have access to the same knowledge and experiences they have. And as you were saying, like, you, 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 like, forget what you didn't know before you were an editor. Like, you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And you can forget how much that knowledge is actually kind of obfuscated. Hmm. It can't hurt to try to get a glimpse of a non-publishing professional's perspective sometimes to aid in communicating with new authors, especially if you're hoping to help reform the cis, the rich cis straight white maleness bias in publishing, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, asking creators to follow instructions also is like fair, right? But mm-hmm. making sure those instructions are really accessible and clear is a must. 
On the other hand, for creators, this kind of deep dive into research can really, really help understand fundamentally what publishing looks like rather than just proceeding with possibly harmful or insurmountable preconceived notions, Mm -hmm. such as, as we keep saying, asking for clarification when things aren't clear rather than being afraid that you're going to, oh no, I screwed up and it's taking an extra week because I asked the wrong question. You're like, no, no, no. It's taking an extra week because they need to answer your question well. Mm-hmm. And that's can, that can be okay, right? Like if you need clarification, they they should be welcoming the chance to help clarify for you rather than everybody going forward making mistakes and and miscommunicating. Mm-hmm. Um, as an author, you have to believe in your words enough to see a manuscript through to the end and risk the pain of rejection through submitting, which is a lot. <laughs> yeah. But then you also have to humble yourself and accept feedback and to understand that like the editor really is trying to make your book better than you can on your own, not because you're not good enough, but because like everything is better when multiple perspectives help, you know, come together to, to like bring a more complete vision. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really easy to get stuck in these two extreme viewpoints, right? Either that as an editor, I know it will work and my vision is clear and the author needs to get with the program and knock up the works or the opposite. I'm the author and my vision is perfect as is and editors will only ruin it with their completely myopic feedback that is just trying to turn my book into something bland and alien to me. <laughs> like I'm putting it like that and they both sound really obviously shitty. <laughs> but in action, there is a kind of potential for conflict here that maybe needs to be addressed. Like if you're looking at it as a zero sum game, that any change is a failure on the part of the author then that's not going to be a healthy collaboration. Um, Editors do need to try to communicate again clearly about what changes they're asking for and should be trying to get a firm grasp of the author's vision as well, even if just so they can communicate more clearly and in a more collaborative way. Um, But authors also do need to accept that if your vision isn't clear, that's what your job is to focus on polishing it until it is clear. And um, maybe sometimes you got a budge when you're offered perspective and experience that you, you're honestly not expected or required to have all on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when the editor says something is confusing, that's really good info. It can be devastating, but it's useful. And the editor should be showing colleagues and stuff to make sure it isn't their own biases or blind spots getting in the way, which is definitely um, an experience I've had with both my agent and editors. Well, they, mm-hmm. they'll talk about how like, oh, we sent it around the room and this is some people had a problem here and some people didn't. So it's up to you whether you want to change it. Like that was helpful to know. Mm-hmm. So how can an author, I don't know, what do you think about like what helps an author ask for clarification without coming across as defensive, especially if you're feeling a little defensive? Like, (laughs) what do you think a good back and forth is like? Yeah, I guess it kind of comes down to what kind of feedback they're dealing with. Like, say an editor says something like, we don't see enough of Sam. Can you add a few more scenes with him in the first half of the book so we're more attached to him before his untimely death? (laughs) As an author, you can be like, sure, no problem, and then write some scenes. But if it was important to you that the reader didn't know Sam well, and his death was supposed to be powerful partially because he was such an unknown, then they need to communicate that to the editor, because clearly something is getting misinterpreted here. So yes, maybe the way Sam's development happens is intentional, but clearly the emotional impact the author wants to achieve is not getting through, or at least it's not getting through to this editor. This might mean the editor is just missing it, because editors are people too, Um, But since they're trained to stand in for the target reader, it's more likely a sign that the author needs to think about how they are handling Sam's death on the page. So now we have a different problem. The editor thought the problem was a lack of character development for Sam, but it's actually that the death scene is a little weak. Once the editor realizes that, they will probably have a different suggestion. 
Now, as far as how to get that info to the editor, I wouldn't recommend firing back an email that's like, you're actually wrong and this is why. (laughs) Because they're not wrong exactly. They were just diagnosing the wrong problem. Say something like, hey, thanks so much for the timely edit. I've already started working on some of the areas you suggested. I do have a question about Sam, though. I was trying to use his lack of development to make a point about how we never have enough time to know others completely. Is there a way that I can make it come stronger, kind of in the end there, instead of adding more scenes with Sam? I think this conversation is important because you might actually still end up adding more scenes with Sam, but maybe instead of teaching you about Sam, they teach you about how the protagonist sees Sam or doesn't see Sam. So boom, you have a solution that addresses both issues. That is so helpful. I know that I can fall into this terrible habit of trying to skip that middle step. Instead of asking questions, I try to intuit what the editor actually wants when the revision (laughs) doesn't work for my plan or doesn't make sense to me. And then I try to preemptively address that. Anyway, (laughs) as we keep saying, like asking for more clarification, yeah, maybe it'll do take another week of emails, but it might save months of the wrong writing and frustration. Yeah, I'd say like, you know, once you kind of narrowed down in your mind, like what you think they've asked and are kind of or like what your confusion is, what what part you're kind of stuck on, like email them back and then focus on the things that you do know how to make, like the changes that you were like, oh, yeah, no, I do need to like remember that that person's name changed halfway through the manuscript or something, you know, (laughs) focus on the things you know. (laughs) I've done that. I definitely have characters that I just didn't bother coming up with like a system for remembering their names because they were minor. So every time I was like, now you're named Jen, I guess. (laughs) But yeah, focus on the stuff you know how to do while you're waiting to hear back from the author or take a break and don't focus on your thing too much for a bit anyway, so that you're not kind of like as in the emotions or whatever, if you're sort of having trouble. And maybe as you kind of like mull it over in your brain for a bit, you might stumble upon a solution. Like it might kind of trigger that like aha moment. Um, But yeah, I think just kind of honestly asking the author or the, the editor, like, hey, did you mean this? That could be a really good way for them to be like, yes, or oh, no. <laughs> and then hopefully clarify it for you. Yeah. If there's anything I feel like I'm learning from this conversation we've had today, it's to like just not look for a shortcut because that's only going to have more misunderstandings that if something is unclear, just ask and don't worry too much. Like it's not expected that you'll completely be able to understand and interpret their first, like their first brush at giving you revisions. Like sometimes you actually will need back and forth and that they even expect that. Yeah. I mean, just remember, it's not like a perfect science. You're just working with another human being. So you're going to kind of need to learn how that other human, you know, communicates and how you will best communicate with each other. (laughs) Well, all that said, I think it's time for us to get back to editing. Yeah, man, I actually, I feel really ready to do that again, which is great. Thank you. Good. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you everybody for joining us in the right place, which is wherever you happen to be. At the right time, which is whatever time you've got. Happy Happy writing. writing. (laughs) 